You're worth more dead than alive. Why don't you go to the riffraff you love so much and ask them to let you have a thought? You know why? Because they run you out of town on a rail. Christmas, everybody. Welcome to this very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. You are tuned in with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. Christmas has just begun. Rise up in splendor, Jerusalem. Your light has come. The glory of the Lord shines upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick clouds cover the peoples. But upon you the Lord shines. That proclamation given by my wife is this coming Sunday's very first reading. And we're reminded that Christmas ought not simply be a day in the year, but an open door to the transforming power of Christ to defeat the power of hell, to defeat the power of death in our lives. Now let me ask you the question right now. Are we aware of the power of Satan around us? Well, in Revelations 12, 11, it says, They defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We're celebrating Christ's Mass the power to transform our lives. Tonight, we're going to hear 10 stories of transformed lives from people in our region. So I ask you, as we're about to hear these 10 testimonies tonight, what is your testimony? What is your testimony if somebody were to ask you the question, give me evidence that God is truly alive with us. Give me evidence of Emmanuel. Give me evidence of Christmas. So we welcome you to this very special episode of Ignite Radio Live that we're calling Emmanuel, 10 Stories of God with Us. Story number 10, Kelly Reed. I lived my faith out of obligation, and my focus was not so much on getting to heaven as staying out of hell. When I got married, my husband and I continued to practice our faith, but we were what I would call cafeteria Catholics. 
We would pick and choose those teachings of the church that we wanted to follow and fit our lifestyle while ignoring others, justifying ourselves along the way. We were comfortable in our ignorance and arrogance, and I know that our attitude was not uncommon. It was after the birth of our fourth child that I learned of the alleged apparitions of the Blessed Mother in Medjugorje, a small village in what was then Yugoslavia. Well, I had this incredible calling to go to this place, but it made absolutely no sense. We had no money. I had four small children. I'm terrified to fly. This would be across an ocean, no less, to a communist country. (laughs) Absurd. And yet my husband encouraged me to go. The money for the living room furniture went for a ticket, and Hal said he'd take a week off of work to babysit the kids. I thought he was having an affair and wanted me out of the country. (laughs) And so I made this pilgrimage, and I have never been the same. Mary led me to this desolate land where I went to Mass twice a day, prayed the rosary constantly, climbed big hills and small mountains, fasted on bread and water. What was I thinking? (laughs) Maybe I just needed a vacation. It was suggested that one go to confession while there. Well, not my favorite sacrament, at least at the time. Most people don't have to travel thousands of miles to go to confession, but for some reason I did. And it was there that Mary led me to the foot of the cross, and I met her son and my God, really, for the first time. A God who loves unconditionally and whose love is so totally overwhelming. I found the grace to really make a heartfelt confession and it was as a veil was lifted. God seared his love into my heart, and I came away from that moment knowing that I needed to change my life. Since that time, over 20 years ago now, Hal and I have been on a journey, a journey that has involved really learning our beautiful Catholic faith. Our marriage has been blessed, and our family has grown in our openness to God's plan. We have eight great kids, wonderful in-laws, and three beautiful granddaughters, and the fun and chaos is just beginning. Truly, God is never outdone in generosity, and his plan for us, whatever it is, is perfect. So in closing, I would like to echo what William said. Open your hearts to Christ. Do not be afraid. He loves you so very much, and he wants to shower you with every blessing. God is faithful, and he's always with us. He waits for our yes. Take a chance. Give God everything. You'll never regret it. You're listening to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. Emmanuel, 10 Stories of God with Us. We are about the real presence of Jesus Christ transforming real lives. To find out more, go right now to MassImpact.us. Click on Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. Story number nine, William Adamiak. One thing that did develop as I started growing older was selfishness. I, I was a very, very selfish kid, and you know, I, I cared for others, um, but in as much as it benefited me. And so I never really grew to learn the love of God, and I never learned, um, I never really had that personal relationship with Christ. But in college, my second year of college, I was very fortunate. I was, I was involved in the Catholic Student Association, and a group of us wanted to go to Franciscan University in Steubenville and to attend a FOP, a Festival of Praise. Now, I don't know how many of you have been to a Festival of Praise, but let me tell you, it's huge. It's, it's hundreds, thousands of Catholics all praising together, and it's, it's insane. It's surreal. 
the feeling. And so I went, and this was my first experience of it. And I was, I was praising. I was just, I opened my arms. I said, hey, all right, let's do this, right? And I opened my eyes and I opened my heart to Christ. And I remember during that time, it was a time when I was very aware of, of all my sins. And so I was very aware that I was wearing this mask. I was empty. And so I closed my eyes and I prayed. And I said, God, show me your love. Show me how to love and help me to spread that love to others, especially to my girlfriend at the time. And sure enough, not long after that, while I was sitting there praising with my eyes closed, I got this image in my mind. Um, it was me playing out in this prairie field, you know, like, like in the sound of music. And I was playing ball with Jesus, and he's a great quarterback, by the way. Um, but I was playing ball with Jesus, and at one point I stopped and I start running toward him to embrace him. And my point of view stopped. But from me, this little child, you know, about yay high, just runs to him and embraces him. And you know how children are, you know, they have their little small arms, so they just grab onto your legs. And, sh and that little child just grabbed onto his legs, and he embraced the child. And that was it. And I didn't really understand what it meant at first, but I started telling people about it. And I started realizing that child was me. And this was Jesus telling me that I needed to love like a child. Because a child's love is pure. It's innocent. It hasn't been tainted by sin, hasn't been tainted by the world. It, it trusts completely. And so I decided to apply this to my life. And I started realizing that I could love so easily. I, I, I feel like I have the heart of a child now, you know, and that's a, I think that's a great thing to have, not to be childish, but to have the heart of a child. And I've learned that God's love just brings joy and joy and joy and joy into your life. And so I want to encourage you to open your hearts to God, to ask Him first of all, ask and you will receive, to ask Him for, to receive that love and to know that love. And He will show you a life that is full of promise, full of fulfillment, full of joy, and most of all, full of love, that love that only God can give, that love that is God and from the God who is love. Story number eight, Katie DeStat. In one of his letters, John tells us, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. I grew up without the love of a mother. I was raised by the woman who gave birth to me, but I'm not exaggerating when I say that she never wanted me. She made it clear quite often that she regretted the decision not to abort me. And because of her addiction to alcohol, she was unable to love me and nurture me the way that I needed. Not a day went by that I didn't feel alone, unloved, and unwanted. God made us out of love. He made us to love. But we live in a broken world, a world whose worst enemy is true, radical love. To keep us from loving with the heart of Christ, the world breaks us in every way that it can. So we do our best to love with what we have. But how can we love the way we were meant to when in our brokenness, we don't even really know what that love is? The world did everything it could to break me, and for a long time, it kept me broken. I didn't know how to approach God, because there was a big part of me that didn't believe I was worthy of love, especially not his love. It was easier for me to keep him at arm's length and continue burying my pain than face the fear that I could never heal from my past. It wasn't until I turned to God and his radical love that I realized that what I had been missing for my entire life was simply love. God's love for us is redemptive. He wants to redeem the parts of us that have been broken, but he can only do that when we accept his love. He loves each and every one of us with the heart of a father and wants nothing more than to scoop us up in his arms and heal the scars that the world has given us. 
He has a plan for our future that will redeem the past, as long as we remain open to it. I know that someday I'm going to be the mother that I never had, and that through my children and my devotion to the Blessed Mother, God will heal what my mother broke in me. And even though I never had a real mother here on earth, I have the best mother in heaven, and she works through so many women in my life to show me the mother's love that I still need. God's love changed my life. It changed a broken little girl who didn't know what love was into a woman who was unafraid to love with everything that she has. Perfect love isn't easy. It's hard and it's scary, but it is so worth it. It will heal everything that this world has broken in you. Love changes my life every single day, and I know that if you accept the, God, the love that God has for you, it will change yours too. Story number seven, Mike McCoy. It's great to be here at St. Joan of Arc and be part of the Ignite and Mass Impact and, and all the spark things that are going on and how the Holy Spirit is really moving in the, the Diocese of Toledo. It's really uh, heartwarming to see. And Greg and I and Stephanie, we go back to Erie. That's where we met. I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. Went to the University of Notre Dame and played 11 years in the National Football League and seven with the Packers and two with the Raiders and two with the New York Giants. And when I went to Cathedral Prep High School my sophomore year, I knew nothing about football and I never even played it. I was too big, overweight, and uh, they had a weight limit back then. And so when I went out for the football team, I had a great coach, his name was Tony Zambrowski. Tony could have taken me and says, okay, big guy, you just go in there and charge across that line and hit anything you see. If someone has a football, throw them down. If he would have did that, I would have never probably played the game because I wouldn't know what I was doing and I would have been getting blocked every time and get very discouraged. So what he did, he took me off to the side for about an hour. And he said, Mike, here's the proper foundation. And he showed me how to get into a stance, how to get my weight and the power in football comes from your hips and your, and your buttocks area, not, not up top. He says, you can stand up and a 180 pound guy will block you. But at 260 pounds, if you get down low and come off on a plane, no one's gonna stop you. So he told me how to get down the proper foundation, how to keep my feet separated. Because I guarantee you, if I could put my feet together like this, there's anybody in this room could knock me back at 330 pounds that I am now. And, but if I get down like this, you're not gonna be able to do that. So he taught me the basics, the fundamentals. And I took that fundamentals and I worked on it very hard when I was at uh, Cathedral Prep at the University of Notre Dame. And when I got into National Football League, it was still the same fundamental. If I had a bad game, and eh, once in a while I did, but not very often, because I did, I would have gotten fired. And uh, I would go back and look at my stance and say, what was wrong? And when I corrected that stance, I went and had a better game. You know, I think it's the same way with our faith. What's the fundamentals? For a long time in my life, I was playing the game of church. You know what I mean. Coming every Sunday, going through the motions, yeah, I knew who God was. I knew who Jesus Christ was. I know who Mary was, told some great things in my faith, but I was just kind of getting in and out as soon as I could. Even though my freshman year, I did spend a year in the seminary, thought I was gonna become a priest, and then left and went to cathedral prep my sophomore year. Because my fundamentals were wrong, and I was playing the game of church, and I was trying to please God, and I was frustrated, and I fell short all the time. And I said, I can't do this anymore, but I went to church because I was a people pleaser. Went to the University of Notre Dame and took all those philosophy courses and those theology courses and learned a lot of different things. And it was amazing because some of my friends who weren't Catholic at school were experiencing the same thing in their life, that they were just kind of dead on the inside. And I don't know why. Went up to the Green Bay Packers and met a young, met a young man at the time. And I guess he was fairly young, 10 years in the National Football League. So I met him when he was around 31 years old. And that's pretty old for the NFL. The average career is around three. 
His name was Carol Dale. He was a wide receiver for the Packers, and Carol Dale became my friend. And what Carol Dale taught me was the, fun, fun, the fun, fundamentals of the foundation of faith. And he encouraged me to, uh, to go to the chapel program they have in the National Football League. Every team in the NFL travels with a priest and they have chapel on Sunday morning. So when he told me this this particular week, and I figured, why not? I'll go to church on Saturday night to look good and, and fulfill my duty and obligation. I'll go to this thing, the chapel on Sunday morning at 7 o'clock. Because that particular day at 1 o'clock, we're playing the Chicago Bears. I need all the help I can get, especially against those guys. So I went there, and I kind of heard this growing up. But see, there was a need in my life because there was a lot of fear, a lot of insecurity, you know, just starting out in life and a lot of pressure. Just got married, had no clue what was that about. I went to an all-boys Catholic high school and all-boys Catholic university at the time, Notre Dame. And so on the outside, I looked pretty tough. On the inside, it, well, I was empty. And what these men basically said to me that they made a, a choice at some point in time in their life to quit doing the things they were doing because they always wanted to change their behavior, but they couldn't do it. They knew it had to come from the inside. There had to be a heart transplant. So what these men did, these former players and business people would come in, they would talk about this personal relationship that they had with Jesus Christ. And I said, wow, I never heard of that before, quite put that way back then, much more now than it was back then when I was growing up. And I listened to what they said and how that influenced their faith and how that influenced their behavior. So at the end of that rookie year, during that off season, I opened up my heart and asked Christ to come into my life. Because I knew I was falling short. I knew I didn't deserve, earn, or, or could buy God's love. It was un, unconditional. He loved us so much, he sent his son down upon the cross to become sin for you and I, to pay the penalty for our sin because he had to shed his blood. He came as a lamb, and he's coming back as a lion, by the way. And I, and I knew that, understood that, but I never took that step of faith and asked him to come in my heart. So open up my heart, and here's what happened to me. That, that desire for alcohol was gone. It was kind of there. You know, I come from an alcoholic family. I knew I shouldn't be monkeying around with that stuff. Found some new friends, got into God's game plan, went back to my faith, and it became alive. My had-tos became my want-tos, because now I had that relationship. Many years later, John Paul II talked about that relationship. He said this. He says, do not fear. Open your heart to Christ. Conversion is a personal acceptance of the saving sovereignty of Christ and becoming his disciple, his follower. It's a choice we make. And when we make that choice, God says, I sent you the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come into our life because we accept him and we're not playing the game anymore, but we're serious and we open our heart and ask Christ to come in our life. We start that relationship. It was like when Coach Tony Zambrowski told me about the basic fundamentals. I always use those same fundamentals no matter what, what level of, of sport I was in. And that was the basics, and I grew from there, and I grew from there, and I also grew because I got into God's Word. And God's Word is powerful, and it's a lamp unto our feet. St. Jerome said this, Ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. When we pray to God, He listens to us, and He hears us, but when we read God's Word, not just Sunday to Sunday, but every day, He will speak to our heart. So we have this great faith, and we got God's Word kind of in the background and it's starting to come forward as I travel around the country and I speak in students and, and students in Catholic schools and parishes. And you put the two together, you got a powerful combination. Because in closing, when Jesus did his 40 days and 40 nights of temptation in the desert, how did he battle that temptation? He prayed and he quoted scripture back to, to Lucifer and he, and he battled that temptation. So we need to have God's word in our heart. And I just want to encourage you, if you've never taken that step of faith, to open up your heart to Christ, take that step, and see what the Holy Spirit will do. And I want to encourage you to open up God's word. It's not that difficult. It really isn't. 
If you have a Roman Catholic Bible, start with the book of Proverbs, start with John, and just start reading it because that Holy Spirit will illuminate your mind and your heart. Great to be with you tonight and part of this, this great event this evening. God bless you. Thank you very much. Story number six, Megan Cook. I grew up Catholic and I was homeschooled for part of my life. I was very involved in youth group and I went on quite a few retreats and conferences. My family never missed Mass on Sunday and I remember any time we went on vacation, the first thing my parents would do was to find the nearest Catholic church so that we could get to Mass. We prayed often as a family, and my sister and I tagged along with my parents to programs, Bible studies, and all that kind of stuff at church. I had a pretty strong foundation at home, but my faith was never my own. When I was about 16, I started to stray away from my faith. I had just begun my junior year at public high school after being homeschooled for six years. I had my first boyfriend and a driver's license and my closest friends were not the greatest influence on me. I started doing things I knew were wrong, but everyone else was doing them. So I kept telling myself that it was okay and that my parents were just crazy and didn't want me to have any fun. I still went to Mass every week because my parents made me, but I didn't want to go. When I was 18, I decided I didn't have to listen to my parents anymore, and I moved away to college. I never went to Mass, and I hardly ever came home to visit. My life was starting to go downhill fast. It was easy for me to tell myself that the things I was doing were okay, because everyone I was around was doing it too. And the more I did it, the more blind I became to the truth. I was almost finished with my first year of college when I found out that I was pregnant. I was scared, nervous, sad, and angry. The guy I was with at the time was no good, but I couldn't see that because, like I said, I was blind. I slowly started getting my act together because I knew I had another person I had to take care of now, and I couldn't just think about myself anymore. I started going back to Mass every weekend, but that was about it. I didn't pray or read scripture or anything like that. Not much else changed until after my daughter was born. She was two or three months old when I finally realized that I needed to break up with my boyfriend and turn my life around, but I didn't know how. I was scared. So I called Dan Miller. <laughs> And I asked her if I could just come over and talk. Um, she was very helpful in a pushy, kind of bossy way. <laughs> she, told, <laughs> she told me everything that I needed to hear, but I didn't really want to hear at the same time. So if anybody's ever dealt with Deb Miller, you probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we had talked about how I needed to go to confession, but I told her I wasn't ready. I knew that if I went, that meant I actually had to change instead of just saying I was going to. I just wasn't sure if I was ready. And there were a lot of things I would have to give up. Well, the next morning she called me and she said, get ready because we're going to see Father Dave. <laughs> I was nervous and I was kind of annoyed that she kind of just pushed me, but it was the best thing for me and I'm so happy that she did that. She was the little push 
I needed to just do what I had been saying that I was going to do, but I kept putting it off. So we went to confession, and I think I was in there for like an hour or longer. Um, But it was exactly what I needed. It wasn't, you know, like some magic pill that instantly makes everything all better. I still had a lot to work on. But the graces I received from going to confession helped me to see things more clearly. Every little sin that I had made over those few years had slowly gotten bigger and bigger, and I became even more blind with every sin I committed. I was finally able to see the truth again, and it was amazing. It's hard to explain the exact feeling I had, but it was like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders, and I could breathe again. I wanted to just go back in time and smack myself for being so stupid for doing all those things. I went to confession a few more times before I was finally able to break up with my boyfriend and quit doing the things that I was doing. But each time I went, I became a little bit stronger and a little bit happier. My life has never been a straight path, and even though I was back in the church and I was practicing my faith again, I still hadn't made it my own. Last summer, I attended my first Ignite. I went into that experience with an open mind and an open heart, and God did some pretty amazing things. That night, as I was praying and singing the songs, I could feel his presence, and I could feel the Holy Spirit. I could feel it around me, just holding me. It felt like someone was hugging me. I was so comfortable, and I was relaxed, and I couldn't think of one bad thing in my life, even though at the time there were a lot of things going on. I was at peace. The feeling I felt that night was amazing, and I wanted more. At that Ignite event, there were flyers for a young adult retreat coming up. I took one home and I registered for it right away, and that's something that I never do. I usually say I'll go to those things, but I put it off and put it off until it's passed and I put it out of my mind. So that was another step closer to where I am today. I've been praying more, reading scripture, making sacrifices, and going to confession regularly. Um, I left it over there, but I have this app that I downloaded on my iPad. It's called um, Laudate, and it's pretty cool because for me, I'm kind of a lazy person, so it makes praying and all that really, really easy for me. Um, so if, if you ever need a prayer for anything, it is on there. There's the rosary, um, daily readings, and there's a ton of stuff on there. And so I've been doing that almost every day. Um, and I just wanted to share with you guys one of my favorite prayers that I found on there. It's really, really helped me deal with a lot of things. So once I kind of stop crying, I'll say it. (laughs) Okay. Eternal, holy God, I come to you burdened with worries, fears, doubts, and troubles. Calm and quiet me with peace of mind. Empty me of the anxiety that disturbs me, of the concerns that weary my spirit and weight heavy on my heart. Loosen my grip on the disappointments and grievances I hold on to so tightly. Release me from the pain of past hurts, of present anger, and tensions of future fears. Sometimes it's too much for me, Lord. 
too many demands and problems, too much sadness, suffering, and stress. Renew me spiritually and emotionally. Give me new strength, hope, and confidence. Prepare me to meet the constant struggles of daily life with a deeper faith and trust in you. Let your love set me free for peace, for joy, for grace, for life, for others, forever. Amen. And um, we do have confession offered tonight, and I encourage anybody who is able to, to go. And if you haven't been in a while, or you're not really sure what to do or how to go, I think you took my paper then. Oh no, here it is. There's these little booklets, and they're all on that table if you wanted to grab one before you head into the church. So, thank you. You're listening to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. Emmanuel, 10 Stories of God with Us. We are about the real presence of Jesus Christ transforming real lives. To find out more, go right now to MassImpact.us. Click on Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. Story number five, Jeff Barefoot. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm honored. It's very difficult for me on Pentecost to stand here and not get emotional about the profound grace that God's put into my life. Um, I came into the Catholic Church 12 years ago. I started um, college as a Unitarian, uh, had a born-again experience, and spent 30 years as a Bible-believing evangelical. Um, and tonight at Pentecost is a great understanding of what, what God can do if we're open. And it was only because I was open through God's grace that I made the journey I made. Now, I'm going to start with an 11-year-old boy whose grandfather took him to Sweden to visit his um, three cousins and his uncle. Uh, his aunt had died, and his he died there in Norway. It was my grandfather. We, um, he took me and my other 11-year-old Swedish cousin to go sightseeing. And at the end of the day, he dropped dead at my feet in a foreign country. I couldn't speak the language. And I loved my grandfather deeply. And I bent down, held him in my arms, and he died. That began a 50-year journey where God, for some mysterious reason, has used me intimately in the death of six people. My father died in my arms. In February of this year, my mother died in my arms. I was instrumentally involved with my uncle, who was a hardcore atheist on his deathbed conversion, and a man that I had, didn't know at all um, last January. I had no idea who this man was. Uh, we became friends, and I intimately helped him die uh, in February. Death tears all of our friendships and all of our relationships from our hand. And what we will have left is that beautiful friendship of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm going to share a story tonight that I don't talk a lot about, but when I told Greg and Stephanie they wanted to, me to share it with you, um, so I'm going back to uh, the early 1990s, and Protestants have a way of wanting to prove things by the scriptures. 
I had a, a business acquaintance who was Pentecostal charismatic and was always telling me I had to speak in tongues if I was really born again. And I thought he was a little off his rocker, honestly, but uh, I agreed to go to lunch with him, and he kept it up and kept it up. And I said, look, if, if, you, if you can come back to my office and show me from Scripture that I should be praying in tongues, then I'll be open to it and I'll do it. And he came back to my office, and an hour and a half later, I was convinced. And uh, so we said this prayer in my office, and next thing you know, I was things were coming out of my mouth that I didn't understand. But as Catholics, we understand this. We understand we can't see the body and blood of the Lord in the Eucharist, but we know it's the body and blood of the Lord. We have to suspend our reason because our faith is higher than reason. Well, when I got done praying in tongues that afternoon, I certainly didn't want to tell anybody and I called my pastor and I said, you know, just shut the door because I don't want anybody to hear this. It's like, is it okay to pray in tongues? And he said, Jeff, I've been doing it for 15 years. Just watch the fruit. I went home that afternoon, about Friday afternoon, about four hours later, my mother called me. My father was in deep, deep distress. They called an ambulance. We rushed him to the hospital. He had an aortic aneurysm and it did not look like he was going to live. I went into the prayer chapel at St. Luke's Hospital and very quietly shut the door and prayed in a way that I didn't understand. And stayed in there for two hours praying. About 3.30 in the morning I came out and the doctor came up and had a big smile on his face and said it was the most remarkable surgery I've ever conducted in my life. Your father was opened from his hip to his heart and he said I literally had to do the surgery without proper prep. And he said, right in the middle of it, I literally watched veins heal themselves without me touching them. My father lived another 22 months. We were able to share an enormous spiritual journey together. And I was able to say this prayer, read, read to him the night the, that he died. In my father's house, there are many rooms. What's the message tonight on Pentecost for you? If, if I had not been open to the Spirit of God when I was in college, I would have never become a Christian. If I had not been open to a different way of approaching prayer and worship that night, I wouldn't have been open to that experience. And it taught me very early I needed to be open to the spirit and movement of God, test the spirits, don't believe everything. But on the basis of those two things, about five years later, I began to give the Catholic Church a fair shot and found the beauty of the truth. So tonight on Pentecost, everybody here I know has to be sharing some burden in their life. The death of a loved one, a health problem, a broken marriage, financial stress, this is the tools the devil uses to attack us. Don't let him attack you. Be ready tonight to be completely and totally open to the Spirit of God. And it will lead you places that it's just can't even imagine. I'll close with reminding us that 40 days plus one ago, they were gathered in the upper room 
and they were frightened. The door was locked, my brothers and sisters, for fear of the Jews and for fear of the Romans. Could they see in their fear and in their struggle, like you're having a struggle, that in only 50 days, Pentecost would come and the world would be changed? If you're struggling tonight, if you have a burden, just remember, God can change things in 50 short days. So thank you for letting me be here. Thank you for letting me be your brother and sister in the Holy Catholic Church. Story number four, Kristen Durier. Hi everyone, I'm Kristen. I'm 15 years old and I'm a sophomore at Northmore High School. I've gone to Guy and St. Joseph Parish all my life and I was asked to do this after I wrote an article about my experience at Ignite, which I went to for the first time when it happened last month at Resurrection. And I had a really amazing experience there and I hope that all of you will too. The day that, that I went for the first time, I remember it was a really stressful day. I had had a few tests at school. Um, it had, I had a hard track practice and I did not want to go. And I told my mom, I said, I'm not getting up off this couch, but she made me and I went. And, and I'm really, really happy that I did because it was a great experience. Um, I think part of the reason I didn't want to go was because at the time, I was, I was going through a hard time in that my relationship with God was kind of non-existent. I went to church every Sunday and I still prayed with my family, but as far as spending time with God by myself, like in deep prayer, I didn't really happen. I was busy. I was in school and sports and show choir and all these different things and I just thought I didn't have time. And God was the thing that ended up getting pushed away in all of my busyness. And that's obviously not what should happen when you get busy. So um, when we got to Ignite, it was really crowded. They weren't prepared for all the people that showed up. And I complained about it to my mom and I said, I told you you shouldn't have come. But then um, the, the witness speaker last time who gave the testimonial, she was what really caught my attention because she said some things that I could really relate to. She said that she had been struggling with some depression and that her friend had made her come and that she didn't really want to be there, but the last time she went, that, that she had had a really great experience and she was happy she'd gone. So that's when I kind of thought, you know, maybe I should have an open heart about this and just try to really get as much out of this as I can. And that's what I did. And so we, we went to the church and we, we took all these candles and we put them on a structure that was supposed to represent the burning bush. And it was really beautiful in there. The lights were dimmed and, and all the candles were there and the music was beautiful. And that's something that really touches me emotionally because I'm a musician. And so that was really beautiful and it really helped me to like focus and like to just push everything else out of my mind and just focus on God. And then we also have, have the opportunity to go to confession and there's Eucharistic adoration. And so it's really just a great time to really push everything else out of your mind and to just focus on God because that's what tonight is all about. And another thing I wanted to share with you was I'm a substitute pianist at um, Waterford Methodist Church in Fredericktown. And Pastor Tim there gave a really wonderful sermon the last time I was there a couple weeks ago. And it focused on Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and there is nothing I shall want. And that is something that I found to be really true and really inspiring because if you just accept the Lord into your life and let him really be your savior and just be what your life is about, then that is when you will find true happiness. And that is when you can really just open your heart and just not worry about everything else and, and be really happy. And that is what I found. 
And so I hope that all of you have as inspiring of an experience as I had last time and I'm going to have again this time. So I really want to encourage everyone here to just open their hearts and push everything else out of their mind and just really focus on God tonight and let him inspire you and rekindle your faith. So thank you. Story number three, Denise Hinojosa. Um, anyway, I wanted to share with you how I came to Christ. My story, I know I just have a few minutes and I'm not going to take up a lot of time because what we're about to encounter here after I sit down is going to be the most amazing thing. If you've never been to Ignite, get ready. It's fantastic. I grew up in a family, very average, very normal. The youngest of four children, three older brothers, and I'm the baby and only girl. Okay. I learned how to play football at a very young age because if I didn't, I was the football. <laughs> right? All right. So I learned all the boys' sports. All my Barbie dolls ended up mangled, and I learned to play with G.I. Joes. So that's my story in my childhood. Now, that was all normal and cool until my mom got sick. And up until that point, no one in our family had faith. My mom and dad were nominal Catholics. They left the faith. And... Uh, I thought that Christmas was Santa Claus, and I thought that Easter was the Easter Bunny. I had no realization that either one of those holidays were about Jesus Christ, and that's the truth. I had no clue. That was normal. When my mom became sick with cancer, I was 13 years old, and uh, our life changed. I'm sure we've got a few teenagers here in the, in the audience. For you guys, the most important thing is being with your friends, right? Am I right? That is number one, right? Okay. Well, I was no different when I was a teenager. I wanted to be with my friends. I didn't want to have to go to the hospital where my mom was sick, and you, know, you had to pick up all your school books and take them with you and sit in the, the waiting rooms and the lobby areas, and it was horrible. I was mad. I was extremely mad at my mom for being sick. Well, through her illness, radiation, chemotherapy, two major surgeries, my mom came back to her faith in Christ, and I saw that. I saw my mom's spirit and her soul awaken. And I'll never forget, we had a priest come out to the house. He's still in the Diocese of Toledo, Father Jerry Saranowski. Fantastic man. And he would bring the Eucharist to my mom, and I remember seeing that. I didn't understand it, but I saw it. And I was really touched at how my mom's conversion was taking place. She was diagnosed terminal in late 1987. And within a few months' time, her life was quickly slipping away. The night before she died on February 21st, 1988, she called me to her side. And my nickname in the family is Nisi. And you can call me that. I'm fine with that because you're family too. And she said, Nisi, go get my rosary. Now, I didn't know what a rosary was. She says, it's in my jewelry box. It's pink, and it has a cross and lots of beads on it. So I went into my mom's jewelry box. I got out her rosary. And the cancer had eaten all the nerve endings in her right arm, which left it useless. So she couldn't hold the rosary to pray. So I knelt down before my mom, and I helped hold the beads as my mom prayed her rosary. And brothers and sisters, as I was with her, and it was just her and I in that room, my two older, older brothers were already married and gone. 
My third brother was probably in his bedroom. But it wasn't just her and I in that living room. There was a holy presence there. And when I experienced that, I knew without a doubt that even though I was mad, even though I was hurt, I knew that my mom was going to be okay and that I was going to be okay. That even in death, that my life would be okay. It was like God just wrapped his arms around us and I knew that night that my faith journey had begun. My soul had been awakened. So I tell people, my mom's physical death is what gave me spiritual birth. So maybe tonight you're here with anguish, with grief. Our Lord understands that. He has the ability to give you the strength to get through it. So if you're coming here tonight sad, maybe you've experienced a recent loss, know that Jesus loves you, that he's here. And in just a few moments, our Eucharistic Lord is going to be enthroned upon the burning bush. Whatever you have in your heart, give it to him. And in return, he's going to give you the greatest blessing that you can give, and that's himself. So I'm proof that in the deepest, darkest valleys of your life, cling tight to your Catholic faith. Jesus Christ loves you. That's all I have for tonight. God bless you guys. You're listening to a very special edition of Ignite Radio Live. Emmanuel, 10 stories of God with us. We are about the real presence of Jesus Christ transforming real lives. To find out more, go right now to massimpact.us. Click on Mass Impact Kingdom Builders. Story number two, Nicholas de la Torre.
Story number one, Rosalie Castellan. I am here tonight to share with you the experience I had last month with Ignite. I had, uh, first of all, I was born and raised Catholic and uh, taught by Notre Dame and Ursuline nuns. So you would think that would put me on the right path, but. Uh, I am human, so of course I fell away. But thankfully I came back. I would like to share my wonderful prayer experience from December Ignite service. After speaking to Father and receiving absolution for my sins, I was in that tiny window of God's grace when I hadn't seen any TV commercials or gotten off the beaten path with anything and was right in the heart of where I should be. I chose to take part in the intercessory prayer taking place on the altar that night after the end of the service. And this was an almost magical time when my soul was fresh and renewed that I approached the prayer team to ask for healing, not of myself, of course, but of a young friend who was hospitalized with pneumonia. As they began to pray over me, I was overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. A wash of comfort and happiness took over as I bowed my head to receive his blessing. Even though my prayer was for Lynn's recovery, God saw fit to take away my pain also, because he could. I was almost unable to walk as I turned to step downward because I was unaccustomed to walking without pain for so long. The next woman in line said she was so joyful also because her heart was so pure at this moment and she knew God would find her in favor with him. How many times can we say that in our lifetime? I cannot tell you that your experience is going to be as dramatic as ours. 
I am sharing so that you can take the time to give the Ignite experience the opportunity to lift you higher. Anytime we can get closer to God is an opportunity knocking. I pray that you answer because as the video said, God loves you. The Holy Spirit is moving. This is a historic moment. We're about more than a moment, but a movement. We're engaging pastors and parishioners in the great adventure of becoming dynamic communities of intentional disciples. For more information, go to massimpact.us. One world, one mission. Alive in Jesus Christ. Are we all in for Jesus Christ? Is living for Him the deepest desire of our hearts? Are we intentionally leading others to Him? If living more fully as a disciple of Jesus Christ is your heart's desire, we invite you to join us the four Tuesday evenings of January for a great adventure. On Ignite Radio Live at 8 p.m. on Tuesdays, we'll be guided by four dynamic pastors in considering the four big questions. Who is Jesus Christ? Why should I follow Him? What does it mean to follow Him? How do I follow Him? Join us for this very special on-air series of Ignite Radio Live, Tuesdays of January, 8 p.m., right here. For more information, go to massimpact.us. Not just a moment, a movement.